I want to get a running start to where we left off two weeks ago, right? Actually, three weeks ago, because we did a Christmas message. But three weeks ago, we finished at the end of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. Paul's written this letter to the church at Corinth. They've got, they're running amok sexually and false teachers and all these things, you know, that they'll just talked about, uh, you hear all these different theologies, interpretations, and stuff like that, but they had false teachers that were really talking about false gods. And so Paul's trying to gather his chicks, you know, and he cares about them. He's concerned for them. This is the church. He wants the best for them. And I would, I would say that as we began this ministry back in 2007, uh, the group of people that, that began this thing together had the same heart. How do, you, how do you gather the chicks up? How do you keep them focused on Jesus? Can you just give them the gospel message, this truth, the same thing that Dale was talking about? Can you just give them that and that be enough? Can that be enough? Can you just tell them their life has been transformed? And they begin to trust it. They begin to believe it. They begin to live it out. And I believe this is honestly what Paul has done. So we go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. That's the one verse that we teach all the time here. That when you believe that Jesus was the Son of God, and that he died for your sins, his blood was poured out, and you were totally forgiven, past, present, future, he took your old heart out, he put a new heart in, made you a new creation, you're holy, righteous, and redeemed, that's your true identity, that's the basics of what we teach every single week right here. This is it. Now believe it. Believe it. Believe this is who you are. And this is what he's saying. He's pleading with them. A transformation has taken place. And he's saying, do you recognize it? I'll be honest with you. I didn't recognize it for many, many years. I went to seminary. I went to Oklahoma Baptist University. I grew up in the church. I I didn't know it until somebody sat down and actually told me. My friend Keith, you know that story. And it took me a whole year to agree with him. I mean, I literally debated about my identity in Christ, believe it or not. But then we also, Dale, we have that people that may come to understand this, but they turn to their flesh for a season. And when I say turn to their flesh for a season, you may get this, you may understand that you're transformed, you may be a new creation, but you go back to what is selfish, what is self-disciplined, maybe even doing programs, doing some kind of ministry, not that that's bad, but that's what you become dependent upon rather than the understanding of who you actually are. And Paul's literally trying to say to him, you've been transformed, you've been changed. This is you. He says in verse 18, everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, 
God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them as he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Like Your trespasses, your sin, everything has been forgiven. There's nothing to be held against you in this room that believe. Nothing. That's good news. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We plead, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You have already become the righteousness of God. I'm sitting here today looking at the righteousness of God. You are holy, righteous, and redeemed. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you did on New Year's Eve. I don't care. I'm sitting here looking at the righteous, holy people. That's it. It's not based upon what we do, what we've done, what we're going to do. Now we get into 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, and it ties in from where we just left off. He says, working together with him. Huh. That's a good thing, right? Working together with him. We here in this room are working together with God. That's my partner. We also appeal to you, don't receive the grace of God in vain. The grace of God in vain. Now, this is, this is where we kind of got nervous when we said, let's just teach the message. Let's just teach people that they're holy, righteous, and redeemed, that God's forgiven them of all their sins. But what do we do if they go, okay, great, we can just go out and do whatever we want. That's not my issue. That's their issue, right? I'm here to teach the truth. And he says, don't receive the grace of God in vain. Like, understand what God did. He sent his son, his only begotten son, here on earth. Jesus left whatever he had all all up there in heaven to come down here in human form, put on this flesh suit, and to live among us, to spread the good news, and then to die as a sacrifice for us. Literally, you think about Easter, and you think about him dying on the cross, and you think about these things, and you, you study it, and you know, and you, it becomes more important to you, and all of a sudden, that whole grace, taking it in vain, becomes harder to do. If it's just a salvation thing, if it's just something I pray to prayer and ask Jesus into my heart, I can see where you can take advantage of grace. But somebody asked me the other day, can you abuse grace? No, I don't think you can, I don't think you can abuse grace. I think you can do whatever you want. And there's going to be plenty of grace. I think you can misunderstand grace. I think you can misunderstand it. Like, what was it provided for? Why is it there? God gave me grace over my sins back when I was eight years old, and I didn't even understand it fully. Now the grace that I receive, the grace that I receive is on a daily basis, and it's the ability for me to live my life with Christ. The ability to do things, the ability to stand here today and teach the message to you is all by God's grace. And I don't take that lightly. It's not in vain. It's important to me. 
And he's saying to he's saying to the people, Paul is, don't take what he's done in vain. This is a big deal. It's important. It's huge. He's he's begging them, he's pleading with them. Come and understand what we are saying and doing. Verse 2, it says, For he says, At an acceptable time, I listened to you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. See, now, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Like I said at the beginning, all over Corinth, believers are spread out. It's a large region. They're dealing with sexual sins. They're dealing with false teachers. They're dealing with all these issues, food issues, religious issues, all these things. And Paul's literally saying, how can I reach this group of people that are so spread out? I'll do it through this letter. He's literally got followers that are listening to him, but also listening to false teachers, people that have one foot in the door and one foot outside of the door. And he, he's, he's struggling. He's struggling with how do, you, how do you minister to these people? Then he begins to express his authenticity of his ministry, making his ministry valid. And he begins to explain it. Verse 3. He says, we're not giving anyone an occasion for offense so that the ministry will not be blamed. And then he goes into a whole list of things. And the purpose of this list that we find in this passage is that they're marking his ministry as uniquely authentic. You can compare what the other ministries are doing, but it's not quite the same as Paul's ministry. And watch what he says in verse 4. Instead... As God's ministers, we commend ourselves in everything, by great endurance, by afflictions, by hardships, by difficulties. These are what Paul's dealing with. You think ministry is stressful? (laughs) It is. It is. It's stressful. I mean, think about just the relationships that you have in this room and all the things that people are going through right now at this very moment. You just went through the holidays with your family. Don't tell me it's not stressful. It's stressful. And people ask me all the time, well, what do you do with everyone's stuff when you sit down and you have these conversations and people dump all their stuff on you? Well, one, it's not my stuff. It's their stuff. That's a good thing. But then the other thing is, I've literally got good people around me. I've got good people around me, one, that check on me, check on my wife, take care of us. And they take care of you. They take, you take care of each other. Like, I'm not the only one in this room that's doing ministry in this room. I look around and I see how each one of you in this room, and think about others that aren't even here today, are doing ministry in this community of Levener people and even outside of Levener people. But the other thing is, it's again what Dale said. I truly believe what I teach. 
I truly believe what I teach. If it's based upon me doing ministry to you, you're in trouble. If it's based upon me as a new creation and Christ working through me, speaking through me, doing things through me, then we're probably going to be okay. And I trust that he's going to do the same thing through you. That literally he's going to do ministry through you. And then Paul goes on with his list. He says, by beatings, by imprisonments. This isn't me. I haven't got that far. By beatings, by imprisonments, by riots, by labors, by sleepless nights. I'll take that one. Uh, By times of hunger. And you literally think about Paul as he's traveling around the Mediterranean area by boat, by land, and he's literally in, a, in Ephesus, been in riots and different things like that. All these things have happened to Paul. And I guarantee you, if you asked him, would you give it up? Would you give it up not to have to deal with those things? He would have said, absolutely not. I would have not given it up. I would have done it. Because that was his calling. He was pursuing his calling. And then verse 6 This part of the list is important. He says, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, and by the power of God. That right there, that list, that's how we deal with all the stuff. Look, we can have all sorts of support ministries and tactics to deal with issues. There's no question about it. But this, my friends, this is where it's at. The power of God. Literally, I've done the programs. I've done the spiritual gift test. I've done those things. But unless God is in the middle of it, it's not going to happen. It's the power of God that changes life, that gets us through the hard times, that gets us through the suffering. Do not substitute programs, accountability, and self-discipline for the power of God. Don't do it. It's not going to work. You can try all you want. I've been there and done it, and it won't work. It may work for a while. It may work for a season, but eventually... It's the Lord that takes care of it and deals with it. Then he says, through weapons of righteousness, for the right hand and the left, through the glory and dishonor, through slander and good report, regarded as deceivers, yet true, as unknown, yet recognized, as dying, yet see, we live, as being disciplined, yet not killed, as grieving, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet enriching many, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. You you take that list right there, and you compare this list of suffering by Paul and his disciples to today's understanding of a successful church. Literally, if you took that list right there, that all those you're regarded as deceivers, as unknown, as disciplined, as grieving, what church is going to want to take that label on? 
They're not. Today's church really only reports the good things that happen. So Paul is saying right here, really, the mark of authentic ministry is hardships. Believe it or not, I believe him. Like our ministry, I've said this, I don't know how many times, but our ministry is to teach the good news, the gospel. This is what Jesus does, this is who he is. And you sit there and you build relationships, but you wait for the suffering to happen because the suffering is going to happen. It's going to happen. And we're able to come alongside through the hardships, through the difficulties, and bring people in and teach them the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, look, I'm, being, I'm okay with being labeled the little church that meets in the bar. I'm okay with that. If you want to, like, pin that on me, that's great. I'm okay with being the place that harbors sinners. I don't believe that, but if that's what you want to say about us, then you go right ahead. You want to label us as the, only, the place that only teaches grace? Yeah, teach grace. Yeah, we teach law too, but we understand that it's about grace. The place that has no ministry programs? Yeah, no ministry programs. We teach the Bible and hang out with people. Yeah, that's us. That's this small little group that meets in a bar here at Pinheads. I don't care because I know the truth and I know what I have in this little room and I'm so thankful for you. Say what you want out there in public. Paul's literally saying, look, we've been through all these things. We've done all these things. Yeah, it's not the glitz and glamour. It's not everything that these false teachers are teaching and everything. But we're telling you the truth. It's transformation. It's God working through us. It's God doing incredible things. Verse 11, he says, We have spoken openly to you, Corinthians. Our heart has been opened wide. We are not withholding our affection from you. But you are withholding yours from us. You see, reciprocation was a big deal in Corinth. If somebody did something for you, then typically you were in turn supposed to do something for them. That was the idea of the society. So Paul's literally taking this upon them and saying, look, here's what we've done. We've been very open with you. We've been very transparent with you. We've poured out our hearts for you. Can you just not come alongside of us and share your heart? He's literally... You think about... Parents, think about your kids. You can either either put them in a headlock and try to get them to believe what you believe, or you live your life and you beg and plead, hey, I'm trying to tell you the truth. This is literally what Paul's saying to the church at Corinth right now. In verse 13, he says, I speak as to my children... As a proper response, open your heart to us. All right, so now I want you to open your heart. We're going to do uh, something here. I have a piece of paper. I'm going to give one to each person. 
I can't have any extras because this is a, a very analytical survey here. All right, so you only get one. You only get one, no extras. There's two questions on here. Read both questions. You can mark one, you can mark both, or you don't mark any. All right? That's it. I'm going to pass this out. We're going to collect it, and we're going to calculate the numbers. All right? There can't be any extras. So, uh, Dave, Tim, you guys pass these out one at a time. Don't pass them in stacks or anything. Mike, you want to take some, pass out? Make sure there's no extras, all right? Now, on this card, I've asked you two questions. I've asked you two questions. The first one is, I was a recipient of Leavener Ministry this past year. Either you received a financial gift, a service, a material gift, something from the ministry, not necessarily from me, but from the ministry in this room. Uh, Sven asked me the question, is like, well, is this family representative? I'm like, it's your perception. Each one of you have your own card. You answer it based upon your own perception. Does everybody have a card? Like right here in the middle. We need the middle right here, Tim. Like all these people right here at the high tops. Uh, so did you receive something as a part of this ministry? The second question was, I was able to participate as a giver of Leavener Ministry this past year. Either you gave a financial gift, a material gift, or service. Something that you did to participate. So you're either going to mark one, you're going to mark both, or you're not going to mark any. And if you didn't mark any, I still want you to turn it in. All right? It's that simple. Everybody's got a card? Everybody's got a card? Give me the extras so we don't get them confused. And then uh, just fold it in half and turn them in. Fold them in half and turn them in. Somebody collect them. Ed, you got volunteered. Now, while you're collecting those collecting those, and they're going to tally those real quick. I actually would like to hear from you. about your receiving or giving. Obviously, I'm not looking to boast. I'm not looking to, to talk about things. But I want to tell you one story real quick that you guys helped with that you have probably no idea about. Uh, so I'm going to start it off here this morning. But I have a friend named Logan who lives in Fort Worth, Texas. Some of you, Micah and DeSalvos and others went with me, uh, give them back, back there to Sven. He's calculating everything. So, uh, Logan lives in Fort Worth. I took a group down there, I don't know, how many years ago was that? Three or four years ago? Uh, and we, she's got multiple sclerosis. And she's basically homebound. 
and she uh, moves from her bed to her wheelchair. She can't do anything. And uh, so our group went down and helped her with her, cut down trees and rewired her house and, and did things for her several years ago. But this last February in Fort Worth, if you remember, they had a huge winter storm and they lost electricity. So in the middle of the night, Logan's, all of her machines that keep her breathing in the middle of the night shut down. And for two days, she was without electricity. And so her sons had to come to her rescue. She's got uh, full-time aides that come to the house and everything else that take care of her. And uh, I obviously called and checked on her, and she was panicked. And she's like, Rusty, i got to get a generator. i got to get a generator for my house that, stay, that keeps things running because... In the summertime, they're expecting rolling blackouts. The electrical thing in Texas is all messed up, and they're going to shut down electricity. So I took some of the Levner money and seeded it to a generator and sent a note to my college friends, everybody that graduated with us at OBU and, and Logan. I said, this is Logan's situation. Uh, can, we need to raise, I think at the time we said $20,000 to get this generator in her house. And within two or three days, one of my guys says, hey, uh, one of my friends, Charlie, he lives in Seattle, Washington. He says, we own several RV uh, stores, and we just put a full generator in our house. I can get a generator sent to her house, and we'll cover whatever expenses needs to be. So it took months, because the generators were all on back order, it took months. But by September, I believe September, October, she had uh, a generator placed in her house and is fully running, and so this winter she is protected. You guys didn't know that. You know, I don't tell you everything that goes on with Levner, what all goes on with the funds. Uh, I would say this, just calculating at the end of the year, we probably give 10 to 20 percent of the income that we get here to families that are in need. They've either gone through crisis. Uh, some of them have lost loved ones. We've helped them do funerals. Uh, we've helped them uh, with counseling. I, I went. <laughs> here's why I'm doing this this morning, because I went to one of those Christmas Eve services and they did this video and they had this video of how they showed hey we give five thousand dollars to margaret and we give three thousand dollars to mary and two thousand and i just thought you know that's kind of cool it's kind of good it's kind of like oprah and ellen and everybody else giving money out to everybody but if how do you communicate i i don't want to boast about helping people, but I feel like it's important that you guys know what's going on because you're the ones that are providing through, the Lord's providing through you. It's important that you know. And so uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to communicate that to you this morning, but maybe I'd like to just hear from a few of you this morning, ways that you've been able to minister to others within the community or ways that you've been ministered to in this past year. I'm opening the floor. Hang on a second, because there's a 
people, a lot of people at home on YouTube that are watching this and they want to be able to hear. This is Nani. As, is it on? Oh. Yep. As many as you know, Gabriel and I got married this year. Um, and to make a really long story um, short, family didn't come. And so that was something that, was, that really affected us, um, that was really hard to deal, deal with. But um, on the day of our super-duper-duper small um, wedding ceremony, um, we were surprised with, like, all of you that came and makes me a little emotional. They came and um, just celebrated with us and did sparklers and, and made it the most beautiful, magical dream day that I, you know, as a little girl, always dreamed of. That, you know, people came to show us that they loved us and to show us that we had a family here. And that's just something that will always be so, you know, deep in my heart and that's something I'll never forget. That I finally got to have a day that I was in love with and it was perfect. And so thank you for that. And we're just so incredibly grateful for that day. Thank you. That's a good word. That's it. It's just not Ian Gabriel. Don't be shy. Really? You're just going to leave me stranded? Yes, Dan. As you all know, uh, Keith Heiner is a master at listening to the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. And um, so I answered one of the uh, Spirit challenges or Keith Heiner challenges. And um, he sent out a a text message um, because he was... um, ministering to somebody and um, they had a financial need and um, he just sent out a t- I didn't know any of the backstory, any of the details or anything, he just sent out a text, he said who would be willing to give, Spirit said give, so we gave and ended up blessing um, one of the uh, employees here at, uh, at Penhead um, that was struggling with something and, and again it was just one of those things you know, uh, a, a great opportunity the Lord provided and that individual was truly, truly blessed by it. So, yeah, I'm familiar with that story, but there was also uh, another employee that I think she's here now, probably in the kitchen, but she's working, had back surgery and was out for a month. And so we took care of her for a month. Financially, you took care of her for a month. God took care of her. So we, we do encourage uh, the employees here. We, make sure that we take care of them they don't they don't charge us anything for sitting in here which is crazy you know that we are using their facilities but uh, we definitely take care of the pinheads employees and try to leave a good name here for jesus what else yeah phil Sometimes things happen uh, that are like a, a billiard ball, and it bounces off of something else. But uh, when my sister was sick, um, Jim flew Rusty and Ed down to see her when she was in a hospital. 
um, there were blessings beyond that that I know I don't think we'll ever know. Um, to get her back up to Indiana, uh, Keith took the big bus down and uh, through some coordinated effort um, got her up here in, in, a, in a nice fashion. And I, I think that those things happen. Well, let's just do this. And then it goes by. But there are not only eternal uh, things that result from that, but there are uh, current things that result from that. And I've seen that uh, result in uh, her family. So those things happen, and I was blessed by it. And so I'm not sure that's what you're talking about, Rusty, as a service, but uh, definitely we received something there. Yeah, what, what about you all being sick this last year, too? <laughs> well, you want a list of things? <laughs> we, Yeah, we've, you know, we were, we've been blessed in so many ways. And um, to put a check mark on a piece of paper, uh, I look at that and I, I well, that's an easy one. That's real easy because the, I was blessed this morning by what Dale said. Uh, every week, uh, uh, there I learn things, and we we think maybe we hear the same things over and over again every week here, um, but we don't because that word is living, and it may be the same words, but it's a different application through the Spirit in our lives. So it's all fresh and new every week. It's not the same thing. These are the things that uh, probably resonate in my mind that we we receive here. It might not be a material thing, although sometimes it is, and it has been, but um, definitely uh, receiving a lot here. Thank you. Anybody else? I got two more. Shelly. So I personally have been blessed this year, and then Dale and I as a couple, just to have built relationships within Levner and meeting outside of Sunday morning pinhead bar services, but meeting uh, in small groups in basements or in a living room to go through a Bible study or having dinner or breakfast with others and just encouraging each other and growing those relationships and talking about things in our lives. It's been amazing. It's good. It's good. Nicole. Um, I am thankful for the Shreves. They do the junior high meetings, and um, our daughter, Ryan, she's pretty pretty shy and introverted, but I don't know what they do over there, but every time, as soon as I tell her there's something, she's going. And even Caroline said last time, she's like, she can bring a friend because it's all boys every time. And I didn't realize that, but it didn't matter. She still wants to go. So I'm just thankful for them for doing such a good job with the junior high kids. It's awesome. Yeah, the Shreves do a great job with those kids. Thank God for that. Anybody else? Yeah, in the back. Come on, Amy. Make me walk. Um, so I could share. I mean, just 
more blessings than I can count. But one thing last winter, some of the ladies, we were putting together some little things for college students. And, um, and I was informed that one of the little packages was going to be sent to Stuart, my son, that was deployed. Um, and not only that, which meant a lot, but also that um, many of the men in our church took the time to write him a note of encouragement. And um, what's, you know, a lot of you don't know is that was a really hard time for Stuart. Um, he was really struggling emotionally. And so I think that was just a game changer for him to have some encouragement um, and to know that people here, you know, were thinking about him and just loving on him. It's mm. a good word. Anybody else? Um, I usually don't talk, <laughs> but um, we just want to thank everybody for um, all that you've done with our daughter, Anna Grace, this year. Um, I mean, there's there's more things, you know, I, I can't say enough, but people just helping care for her and then um, her funeral. Um, we were blessed so greatly by so many people. Um, so we just want to say thank you. Absolutely. Was it you, Maddie? You're right in front of that speaker, so I'm cautious to, like, come up here. I don't want to, I don't want to put the microphone in front of the speaker. I was just going to say the stockings. I feel like it was a really cool ministry, especially working at a Title I school where um, 90-something percent of our kids are in poverty and just knowing, like, we're filling these things, even with Dollar Tree items, but they're going to reach a kid who may or may not get anything else. Um, so I feel like that was a, a really profound ministry. Yep, thank you. Yeah, the stockings, uh, Angel has sent me a couple of emails. She's the one that uh, coordinates it on behalf of the schools, but obviously Beth and Leah uh, took care of it on our end, which I'm thankful for, but uh, what a ministry that is, and she just wanted you to know that she's thankful for all that uh, Levener has done. So here's the tally of the cards. I got 56 cards back. Uh, 41% said that they were a rec- or 41 people said that they were a recipient of some kind of financial gift, a material gift, or service. That's 73%. 46 said that they were able to participate as a giver of Levener ministry this past year. That's 82%. 33 of you actually marked both, that you both gave and received. It's 59%. Uh, 20 of you only got one or the other and that was 34%, and then there's three that didn't check either box, that's 5%, 5% that just come here on Sunday mornings and hang out. Uh, this isn't something to boast about, other than to say the Lord's doing a good work in here. The Lord's doing a good work in here. It's not me, it's not you, it's him that's doing it. And I am thankful, so thankful, for this group of people, even those that aren't here right now that are listening to us at home. But you guys do an incredible, 
incredible job of ministry. And I believe it's because you understand that you're a new creation, that you're holy, righteous, and redeemed. I, I close with these verses right here, verse 14. It says, Do not be yoked together with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What agreement does Christ have with Bilal? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And what argument, what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? You know, uh, that's a rough verse passage to deal with right there, especially as we just come out of what we just talked about. But Paul's pretty straightforward here. This passage has always been interpreted as don't marry an unbeliever. That's always been the way it's been interpreted. It's in really in reference to intimate or close relationships is what it comes down to. And here's what I have always taught my kids, Corey and Chloe, in relationship to unbelievers. The relationship that impacts both parties. This is what Paul's referring to here. He's referring to how does the relationship impact the parties. I've always told my kids, I encourage relationships with unbelievers, people that don't know Jesus. If you're able to have an impact on them, If you're able to impact them, get in there and hang out with them. Love on them. How else are they going to see the light? Who else are they going to see the light from if they don't see it from you? But if you build a relationship with somebody that's a non-believer, and they're having impact on you and changing your relationship, I think Paul's saying avoid it. Avoid it. Avoid it. Because literally, what do you have in common? If, if everything that is important to me, everything that is important to me drives what I do is based upon Jesus Christ, and that relationship doesn't want that, doesn't care about that, I literally want to have relationships with you that care about it. Not that I don't care about those people. I do. I would love to impact them. I would love for them to hear what I have to say. I would love for people to widely listen to this message. But if they begin to impact me and the things that I believe, Paul's saying avoid it. He says, For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. I will dwell and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing, and I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and I will be sons and, da- and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. He's literally using Old Testament passages right here that tells the Israelites to remain clean, to separate themselves. Like, he's literally talking about don't be yoked to one another. It says in the, the Old Testament, don't let the, the ox and the donkey plow together. They're unequally yoked. That doesn't even make sense. The donkey was considered to be an unclean animal, 
and therefore you don't even put them together. Well, well, okay, now we're in the new covenant. We're in the new covenant. You've been made holy. What does holy mean? It means to be made sanctified. You are sanctified, past tense. It's already occurred. What does sanctified mean? It means you've been set apart. You've been set apart from the rest of the world. You're different. You're light. They're dark. You are the light of the world, and they are the darkness. You are different. You think different. You act different. You are different. You've been made different. You're holy. You're righteous. You're redeemed. He says, hang out with those people. Impact one another. Don't let the world impact you. And this is the begging and the pleading that he's placing on the church at Corinth. It happens here. It happens here. That's why every week you're going to hear us say, you're holy, righteous, redeemed. You're forgiven. Live it. You're separate. And that's my prayer for you this year. Father, I pray that as we go throughout this year, that we can realize uh, that you are working through us. You have in the past, and you will continue to do that in the future. So show us the relationships that we need to have. Show us the relationships that we need to separate ourselves from. I trust you with that. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this room and those that aren't even here today and the ministry that you are doing through them. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.